Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 117. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation, uh, maybe an introduction for a lot of you, with Jasmine Crow. Um, had a great time talking with Jasmine. Uh, she is a singer, songwriter, dark pop, synth pop, regular pop. She fits in a lot of different genres. Uh, but that's actually something we talk about as well, you know, the diversity of her sound and um, the expansiveness of her sound. But Jasmine recently released her new single called Invisible String. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff, including kind of this ladder that she's been on that has seemingly allowed her to just constantly step up and up and up. Um, you know, we're talking winning awards. Um, she won the John Lennon songwriting competition. She uh, had a billboard appearance hitting number 28 on the dance and club charts you know like she has constantly been evolving and growing and in a very rapid amount of time you know i think the pop genre is a super competitive area and jasmine seems to just be figuring out her space and it's resonating with people. Uh, so huge shout out to Jasmine for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, definitely want you guys to go check her out as well, but I want you to do that after the episode. So for now, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation that I had with Jasmine Crow. Um, so to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. Uh, that's the simple introduction. Who are you? What do you do? And why are we having this talk? Well, my name is Jasmine Crow, and I'm a singer, songwriter, artist, producer, multi-instrumentalist um, artist, and I am a recording artist, and I, um, I just released my new single, Invisible String, a week ago, not even a week ago, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, I think the commas could have kept coming for you, like, like you said, multi-instrumental, producer, like you wear a lot of hats. Talk about kind of what that's been like for you to come through the industry and take on so many roles. Well, it's really interesting because um, I started out playing violin when I was three years old and that was my first introduction to music. I mean, I was very young. Um, my my dad was a pianist and my mom like dabbled in like folk music and stuff and my sister played piano. So it was very like musical, musically eclectic kind of um, combination of music that I grew up with. And I just started singing when I was five years old and growing up around like community theater and um, like my dad would listen to jazz music and all kinds of different things. And, and then one day I decided I wanted to write songs and that's when this whole pop artist thing opened up for me where I just really wanted to express my voice um, with my own songs and my own stories. So that's yeah. kind of how I started getting into um, being an artist, like with different hats and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. well, I think that's super interesting because, you know, so often people assume that, you know, you're kind of forced into it when, when parents discover you have a little bit of talent, you know, like, but for you, it, it was really a lot more of just a nurture thing versus pushing you into anything, right? Yeah, my parents were not stage parents at all. It, you know, they always encouraged um, me to get involved in the community and different things. I grew up in Hawaii, by the way, so it's it's kind of like a small town. There's not like a lot of super huge like opportunities like there are in LA. So um, yeah, my parents were not like, oh, you're gonna we're gonna fly to LA and do all this stuff. No, I, it was just kind of like over time, I developed my own voice and my own. Um, style and it's taken a long it's actually been a long journey to get to where i am now where i just streamline my songwriting process really quickly and i know exactly what i want as i'm writing a song and i can finish a song in like three days from start to finish so 
yeah. So, <laughs> um, I'm not sure my family has, has always supported me musically, but, um, they've always, there's always been that thing where it's like, when are you going to get a real job? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, you know, I think it's one of those things until it starts paying the bills, that's always the parent's concern. And then the flip side of it too, just because, you know, I'm 37. So I come from that, that kind of gap generation where traditional jobs were starting to, to not really be the mainstream anymore. And especially by today's standard, it's not really what the focus is. So like my parents, my grandparents are all like, you have to go to college. You have to do this. Like that's how life works. And it's not how life works anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, I think, I think uh, growing up, my, my parents had really like normal jobs. Well, my dad was an astronomer, so, but he was also a teacher. So he, he was like teaching at the university in like uh, physics and astronomy. And my mom was a early childhood educator. And so music was always kind of like an, a side thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. I've been getting a lot of different opportunities also working for other artists, um, playing violin in different bands. Um, songwriting for other artists um, and doing vocal production. And I'm also an engineer. I'm not just uh, um, doing all these, like you said, wearing all these different hats, but like, I think I'd like to give a shout out to like female engineers out there because um, there aren't, there aren't that many of them. (laughs) No, no, I forget the exact, uh, I say a long time ago, like a year ago, it was something stupid, like maybe 12% of all audio engineers are female. Like it was insanely low and I couldn't believe, like, obviously there's a, a curve, right? Because it's been a male dominated industry for so long, but it's 2022. How do we still accept that there's such a, a small number of female engineers and producers and things like that? Exactly. And I, I think technology has really changed things too. Like things are at our fingertips that weren't like in the music industry, let's say like 20 years ago. Like yeah. I can go anywhere with my laptop and start recording a song. Like a lot of the songs I, I recorded last year, I just, when I was traveling, I just set up like a little microphone just like this in a bedroom somewhere with my little focus ray and, and did final takes like on the violin and um, you know, and then there's project, uh, programs like logic pro, uh, that you can download for a couple hundred bucks and start recording yourself and start experimenting. And, um, I just think that that's like a, a different way to approach creativity. And it's actually opened up a lot of, um, opportunities for people that weren't there before. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even if you want to start quote unquote, as basic as GarageBand, right? Like you buy a MacBook, it automatically has GarageBand on it. You can't do all the fancy things, but you can get a handle on kind of what the basics are. Exactly. It's it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I have a friend who was like fascinated because he brought over this, he likes to collect weird instruments and stuff like that. And uh, he brought this thing over and I just started like recording it just like I just learned how to play it like and I was like oh I I just made up this progression I'm gonna make a song out of it and he was like fascinated by it so he goes out and buys logic (laughs) and starts like he's like Jasmine how do you do this can you teach me how to do that like what is this control like how do you how do you get the tempo to change how do you like (laughs) so he's like this is harder than I thought from GarageBand because GarageBand is very simple but um I think after a while it's it it becomes intuitive once you get the hang of it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think to your point about how technology has changed, like YouTube exists, you can learn just about anything you want for free on YouTube now. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you just got to sit there and like pay attention, <laughs> like right. know, know what to look for. If you want to learn something like, um, actually how I started playing guitar, uh, and piano, was because as a, a songwriter or as a singer and a violinist, I was like, you know, everyone can strum an acoustic guitar. Why can't I? So I just, I was like, you know what? I have a, a goal. I want to be able to get out and sing my songs with, like, and accompany myself. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn the guitar. And that's where it starts is having something you want to get done in mind and then going for it and just getting as good as you can at something. 
Yeah. Yeah. There, I had a boss that told me that you should reverse engineer all your goals. Like, you know what you want to do, but work backwards from that. What steps do I need to go to, you know, you want to go out and perform in, in small intimate shows. Cool. What's that take? Well, I just need a guitar. Like it's amazing how simple the solution becomes when you stop and think. Exactly. Yeah. I need to get better at being like, I always have my like short-term goals and I, I kind of move from like one thing to the end. And I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? <laughs> I was like, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that happens all the time. He was, he was such a stickler about the big picture. Like, you know, whether it's mental health, songwriting, corporate business, like the big picture is what it's all about. And if you get so caught up and focused on these small goals or these small things, it's easy to get lost and go, okay, but what was I, what was I trying to do? Like, where am I going? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've brought up that you're a songwriter, you are a pretty accomplished songwriter, um, a pretty, uh, what's the word I want to, a, a pretty good achievement that you have is the 2018 John Lennon um, songwriter competition. You were actually the the winner there. Talk a little bit about that experience and kind of going through something of that scale. That was amazing because, you know, I remember actually when I was, I don't know, 14 or something, and I went online and I saw the John Len John Lennon songwriting contest. And this was like way, way before I, you know, won the thing. Right. <laughs> but like I just was like, oh, that would be kind of cool to enter a contest like that. And it was it was one of those moments where like, I kind of taught myself how to produce and use pro tools and engineer. And I was writing all by myself alone um, in a very isolated place at the time. And when I started writing that song, it was interesting because I just sat down, I'm like, I'm going to write a song today and I don't care if it sucks. And I'm just going to do this today. I'm going to look through my notes and find something that I want to write about. So I found this poem I'd written um, the chorus of it, don't go breaking things, put us back together, shattered it forever. And then I sat down and with my guitar and I started like just singing like what that would sound like and um, started writing like the verses and stuff and then producing the track. And I remember like, as I was producing the track, I was thinking, I feel so alone and so isolated. I just want to do something great. I wanna write something great that reaches people. And it was, I think that was the only song I had entered in that contest and it won the whole thing, which was crazy. It was yeah. so crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially, you know, being the first attempt at that, right? Like to walk into this competition, like you said, you did a little research on it previously, just as a, like a surface level of, oh, this is a cool thing, but to walk in quote unquote, walk in and say, Hey, here's my work. And then, okay, here's an award. And when the whole thing is insane. Well, I, I'd had, I think I had entered some other songs before, but they never, okay. they don't, it's like some of these other contests, like you'll know if you're a semifinalist, if you enter right. the John Lennon, you won't know you won anything until you look at the winner's circle. And there's like 12 and that's it. And, um, one day I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, I won the pop category. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have this voting thing where there's like two, um, two w winners per year. So there's a vote. So you, then you have to compete. And I got all my friends and fans to vote yeah. and ended up winning my, the pop category. And then one day they call me up and they're like, Hey, we're going to announce the winner. Um, we're about to announce the winner. And I was like, wait, does this mean, does this mean we won? Does this mean I won? Like, <laughs> yeah. and then I remember um, they called me up and they were like, by the way, um, we're going to fly you to New York and Ringo Starr is going to um, hand you the check. Ringo Starr. And I'm right. like, oh my God. Like I cried. I cried because like the Beatles are like I grew up listening to the Beatles. My dad played the Beatles in the car, like in like this 
little town in like Hilo, Hawaii, (laughs) you know, they're my heroes. So to meet the Beatles or to meet a Beatle, like that is, man, that doesn't happen every day. (laughs) No. And I I think, you know, the Beatles are pretty polarizing, right? Like there's a lot of people that absolutely love them. There's some people that, that don't see the value, but I think at the end of the day, everybody respects what they did regardless of if they like their music or whatever. And I think the the thing for me with the Beatles, because I'm similar to you, I grew up listening to them and I remember buying the double uh, white album and all that sort of stuff, you know, like going through the re-releases. And I think it's one of those things where if you even just mention the Beatles to anyone, they can picture at least the names, if not the people. How many other bands can you do that? kiss maybe you know what i mean like there's got to be five bands or less that you're just immediately oh yeah that's cool yeah well they're they're, they're there yeah (laughs) some of my favorite songs were by john lennon of all time i think he's my he's probably like my number one artist you know so that that was a, a dream a dream come true so yeah and then just a year later you um made your first billboard appearance um with a, a single as well so that like, was crazy <laughs> such a, yeah such a chain of events right like hey here's song of the year oh by the way you're now on billboard the following year like what's what's this been like to just keep that so far <laughs> knock on wood it doesn't seem like you've taken a knock back yet you know what i mean it it's been climbing forward ever since yeah never like i i i do music like it just comes out of me so like uh, when I released my first album, Symptoms, Chess Game was uh, like, def- I knew that one was special, like it's empowering. And um, then we had a bunch of dance remixes done by different DJs and stuff. And um, the song charted on the Billboard dance charts. And it it was so gr- like crazy to watch it climb up every week. Like, I think like at one point I was like under Madonna or something. Like, I don't know. I was like, ah. <laughs> this is so crazy but yeah that was definitely and then billboard like featured me in um in an article too in their magazine so that was really cool and yeah that like that was the song from my my album that was like one of the major ones so and then again just uh last year california music awards uh sky is falling you got you again, you just keep climbing. Like how, how does it come out of you like this? Well, sky's falling is a really special song. It's actually my most popular song with my fans. Um, and at my shows, like I played it every show. It's about my dad when he, he passed away and he was an astronomer and, um, it was a very like sudden, uh, unexpected accident, how he passed away. And so, I remember when I was like, I was like, I want to write a tribute song about my dad because, and then I was like, well, when, when that happened, my world felt like it was crashing down around me and the sky is falling is like a metaphor for like the uplifting feeling of feeling like he's still like your parent is still with you or the person that passed away is still with you and will always be part of you. And you see them in the stars, you know, and that's how I see my dad. So that song is really special and I, the music video is really special too. Uh, it's, it's kind of about like different characters in space and time and the connection between maybe different dimensions and stuff. And, uh, so winning that award was like really special too, to have that music video get recognized for that. Yeah. And I, I think one of the interesting things, that seems to be a, a trend through your music and just the way that you talk about it is sonically, maybe it's not as, as ethereal, but lyrically and just the feelings and the emotion and the content is this huge, you know, ethereal thing where it's like, there's no real limits or bounds to where you're going to go on this emotional journey. And like sonically, obviously, I, I don't mean to take away from them, but like 
you're not out here just creating like super dream synth pop, you know, like it's, yeah. it's still got a little bit of a confines of this is still a pop song or a dance song. Um, but the sound, the, the lyrical aspect, it's like, holy crap, this whole world just opened up. Well, thank you. <laughs> that song was a tricky one to produce. Actually, my original track kind of had a, a kind of dance kind of beat to it, which is weird. But when I when I gave it to my co-producer to to because he he co-produces a bunch of my tracks, I'll I'll like do the track first, and then he'll like touch up little things, you know, and enhance certain things. But when he got this one, he's like, I don't know, it's just not right yet, and. And we worked on it for a couple of days and he's just trying all these things. He's speeding it up and he's like, you know, working with the track elements I gave him. And then he's like, oh, I don't know. What is it? What is this? The song is a thing. Like it has to be right. And then, and then one day he texts me, he's like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And I go in the studio and he just starts playing and it's like, and like it's, it's almost got a country vibe to it yeah. with the guitars and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I feel it. Now I really feel what the song is. And I think I cried too, because he took it in, in a whole nother direction than I, than I visualized. And usually when I do songs, they're, they're like really close to my original, what do you call it, skeleton track or my, uh, my vision and it's just enhanced but that particular one he he took it in that direction that it needed to go where it was a little more organic country vibes so yeah. i don't know i just went on a tangent sorry <laughs> oh no you're totally fine and i i think that's a really cool thing because you know it shows the importance of having someone close to you that you trust to have that kind of shared vision but also freedom right like exactly could have easily went and said don't change it just amp it up or whatever and yeah you wouldn't have had the song that you needed right well i told he tried to speed it up and i was like no <laughs> don't speed it up because like when he came when i came back in i'm like what's the tempo he's like 120 i'm like that's right, that's yeah. right. <laughs> but I, I think it goes to say a lot too that you know sometimes i don't want to say we get too connected to our art but to some extent we do right and it's kind of like what we were saying earlier about not seeing the big picture. You know, we're so close to our art that we need somebody else to take that extra perspective and go, yeah, I see what you're saying, but look at it from over here and see what changes. Yeah. Well, my co-producer, um, his name is Robert Bressler, by the way. Uh, he's, he's like working with him over the years. Like he's taught me a lot about different things too. Like when we bounce off of each other, like, I already know like when I'm creating a track now, what, he, where he's going to take it. So I might not even mess with that part of it. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's going to do this part. And sometimes I'll send him the track and he, he'll be like, when I get there, he'll be like, I'm done. <laughs> it's done like two hours later. And I'm like, wow, you nailed it. That's like, perfect. <laughs> it's yeah. done. But sometimes I go in there. I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> redo it but, but so. again i think that's that's an important aspect of creating the art right like knowing when it's okay or when it is complete is no there's something missing we have to you know put it out there where they're the way that it should be because i think especially with music you know to me it's such a nostalgia thing too like it you can listen to anybody's discography and kind of feel where they were at that point in their life or where you were at that point in your life and if it's not right then it's like okay but i wasted this connection or this this feeling that i want exactly and and then it might not people might not feel the intent i think that's the thing too that really is probably the most important thing about music is if people are feeling the song, <laughs> like that's what it's for. Right. Um, songs are emotion put into sound, sound waves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously from a commercial success side, we want people to vibe with it because 
that means they're streaming and and buying and all that. But at the same time, you know, you kind of made the the comment earlier where it's important that people feel something when they they listen to the music. And I think that more often than not is really where an artist can tell their their measure of success. Like, cool, maybe it didn't stream as well, but every night that I play this song, people are shouting the lyrics. So it it hit the right people. Exactly. And even if it's just one person, like the most meaning I get is from what I do, where I'm like, okay, like forget forget the egos, forget the business side, forget the, you know, like we do this as artists so that, well, number one, because we can't help it. <laughs> it just comes out like you can try to, you know, tell the muse to shut off, but it won't. It's, she's knocking on your door going, okay, listen to me. You need to channel this right now. And so the most important thing is when somebody comes up to you and you're like, they're like, you helped me get through something that I'm going through today, or this song really touched my heart, or I love dancing and rocking out to the song, or these lyrics are so powerful and they mean something to me. Um, thank you for writing this. You know, I, I, that's, that's the reason for everything yeah. and every song that comes out. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the one that most people overlook is the one that you said where I just love dancing to this song or whatever, because most people just need a release, even if it's only for three minutes, four minutes, whatever the length of the song is like to just be able to fully disconnect and get lost in a song is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's not like shut down. Like we need to have fun too. Just like, yeah. Hey, you know what? This song is pop and fluffy and fun. Like that's what I love about like, you know, people like Katy Perry, like let's just have fun, like lighten up, <laughs> right? dance, you know, drink a, a Mai Tai on the beach and just chill out. Like, you know, it's not all about being serious artists, you know? <laughs> well, and and can't believe I'm going to reference this movie again. This is the second time this week, uh, not on the podcast, but uh, the movie Van Wilder, they talk about the quote from, I forget the guy's name, but it's about that you can't take life too seriously because you never make it out alive. And it's like, we can focus on all this negative crap and be very serious and miss out on all these opportunities. But at the end of the day, why, you know, we're, we only have this one life to live. Exactly. You know, and I was, I was, you made me think of something like that's why I wanted to do pop music and why I love it so much. You know, some people might think, oh, pop music is, you know, not as meaningful or whatever, but that's horse crap. Um, <laughs> because I grew up as a classical musician with, you know, and it's kind of a stuffy genre. People are very, you know, you have to be perfect and you have to, play this perfectly with this, this technique. And I just wanted to have fun. I was a kid. I was like, Hey, Britney Spears is fun and she's beautiful. And, you know, I, I like rollerblading in my garage, listening to, you know, <laughs> destiny's child or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the reason I got into this genre to just have fun. And it's like candy, candy yeah. for the ears. And I, I think that's a, a perfect example you know like i grew up listening to like classic rock and stuff with my dad and all that and then i went through and i still say that i'm in my teenage angst years pop punk and, and stuff <laughs> like that but i have this soft spot and all my friends call me out on it all the time for pop music because there are times where i'm just like i don't fucking care anymore i just I want something that is fun to be around and pop music is, if nothing else, it is fun to be around. Exactly. And you know, I love like Alice in Chains too. Like when I'm feeling like angry or like just feeling emotional and like dark, like, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> like it's all about the mood. I love, I love Alice in Chains as much as I love Katy Perry. So there you go. Like you don't have to pick and choose genres, you know? <laughs> You'd tell that to the gatekeepers because uh <laughs> i know they like to put you in a box but and, and that's the big thing so i've been doing music journalism for 
almost 18 years now, right at about 18 years now. And I stopped doing the whole genre labeling thing because like, sure, surface level, you're a pop artist, but listening to your music, there's so much more depth to it than just being a pop artist. Exactly. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I grew up with so many different influences, you know, like, like I said, the Beatles and my dad listened to jazz music and classical and classic rock. And my mom listened to folk music and I was singing musical theater, like, (laughs) and listening to, you know, like I said, Britney Spears and Hilary Duff and, you know, that sounds silly, but. (laughs) I, I, probably the first time on public record will admit that I went out and bought the Spice Girls CD when it first came out. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, and also being, being somebody that plays different instruments, you know, I also, I also look at the computer as an instrument Mm -hmm. too, because it's part of my creativity. I can, you know, mess with sounds and record my voice and then tweak it and make it sound like a synthesizer or whatever. So um, using different instruments and playing piano and violin and guitar and um, a little bit of ukulele too. And as a singer, like there's, there's a lot of different influences that go into every song that I, that I put out, even if it's pop music, like there's a lot of different genres and I, I hope people recognize that, that it's not just, you know, pop dance or whatever. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> But, you know, I said earlier, like the the soundscape, sure, surface level, it's a pop song, but that's the easy pigeonhole. Like if you're just trying to introduce somebody to music, like you have to give it a name. But then again, if you sit down and actually listen to it, like there's so much more to it than just that surface level of pop. And it's not typically, you know, especially like right now, you say pop music, people go, oh, Justin Bieber or, you know, like. Lana Del Rey or something like that. And it's like, mm, no, I mean, yes, but no, like we're talking about so many different subgenres within every genre as well, that pop music doesn't mean the same thing across the board. Exactly. And, you know, I think, I think even with technology and stuff that there's so many different choices that you can make when you're listening to songs and and genres and they're kind of blending together because there's so much out there and there's so many ways to release your music independently now too so uh it's not one size fits all in one box anymore you know for sure it's it's empowering i think yeah and i think it's easier now for better or for worse it is easier now than it has ever been to get your music out there you know in in the digital age that we're in anybody can create a spotify account a soundcloud whatever you can get your music out there so there's no excuse not to put it out there other than the bullshit voices in your head or your (laughs) your family telling you not to true um i you know, I didn't start releasing music seriously, I think, until 2019 when I started, I think, or oh, 2018, I can't remember. Breaking Things was my first, like, okay, the song that won the, the John Lennon Song of the Year. I released a couple songs before that, but that I think the Breaking Things song really solidified my direction as an artist and as a songwriter. And... um yeah, so before that, I hadn't really had a streamlined approach to how I produced my music. It was kind of just like I had a bunch of files in my computer of s- stuff that I hadn't start, uh, hadn't finished, you know, and didn't know how. And that's I, that's why having extra ears and having mentors and people around you to help you is so important too. Because I was really isolated at the time, but once I found my team, I found my tribe, I found my method of to my madness then I just crank out songs like crazy now. Like I have probably like 50 unreleased songs, but they're pretty much done. And all I have to do is like finish mixing them and then put them out there, you know, like one at a time. <laughs> right. So that's how the world works nowadays. You just got to sprinkle it out. Um, I think that's super important too. Like you said, like finding the people around you, like I'm in Indiana, but I know of 
at least five different like songwriting circles that just different little events and they'll get together and over the course of a weekend pop out a bunch of songs or you know depending on where you want to go on the internet like reddit and stuff like that there's so many communities out there where you can find people that are like hey i want to do this thing and i need someone else that wants to do this thing yeah you never know what you're going to find well it's like trial and error too like i've i've been through different teams and stuff and people i work with and then when it comes to my personal releases there's a very small group of of like i want to say four people that like my co-producer um maybe a di there's one other producer i use for different kind of stuff but if it's like more organic or whatever and less electronic um but then i just go in and cut vocals with my engineer chris who is kind of like my mentor chris hannibut and <laughs> working with him over the years and he just he just knows my sound and my voice and everything and he mixes my music and then i master it at sterling sound and it's just like boom 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 i know i can trust them i know it's reliable i know what the end product's gonna sound like and we've grown together over the years too so um yeah finding your tribe finding people you resonate with is really important in especially when with your creativity and your voice and all of that yeah and i think too with that you know i talk a lot about the importance of networking um so like a lot of bands uh, young bands don't think too much about like oh well the club booker doesn't really matter well you don't know where they're at in their career they could be the next regional to maybe live nation promoter so who knows know. where you're meeting well it's kind of crazy because uh chris was chris my uh th the guy i was just talking about i was the first person i met in la when i moved here from hawaii and i met him on craigslist because <laughs> he was putting his services out there and at the time at the time he wasn't like that big in the industry but now he's so well known he loves networking and i probably like through the grapevine know everyone i know now because of him in some weird way like i don't even know how like he introduced me to somebody who introduced me to somebody who introduced me to somebody and now i work with this person and now like now i'm working with my like it's like a web you know <laughs> it's crazy well especially when you're you know in your case like when you're a transplant and you're in a new area where you don't know as many people like the power of that network again you don't know who you're meeting i've met as a concert photographer i've met people that are like hey you know we're shooting this show together but did you apply for i man this was a long time ago but demi lovato i got to shoot demi lovato in indianapolis and it was because a guy that i had shot a different show with was like well did you apply i was like no i don't know like you know who her press team is or or whatever and he's like i'll get you my contact this is what you need to do like blah blah and i'm like okay whatever and then three days later i get an email from her press team that hey you're approved to shoot the show and all this and i'm like i never would have made that that myself you know i never would have got there myself that way um and it's just it's incredible the the amount of community that isn't gatekeepers <laughs> gatekeepers get the most light shined on them but there's so many willing to help everybody out oh yeah i mean that i think that's the thing with this industry too is you never you never know what level someone's at and what they're gonna do next and so you gotta just remain open to the the ether that connects you guys <laughs> connects you with other people and um yeah you, you just never know where that could lead that opportunity and i think that's the great thing about songs too is because you could write something one day that could take you somewhere you never dreamed of just with yeah. one song or yeah it's, it's just crazy like a song can change your life for sure. I mean, yeah. And, and like today with TikTok and everything else, like the number of artists that have been really discovered because of TikTok is astronomical now. Um, that, oh, what's her name? Gail, that has the FU song. Like 
<laughs> the song that came out. I love it. Like, you're so horny song. Is that that one? Uh, I think it's the same. Yeah. It's oh the my same God, artist. Song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, I think that song, if I remember the timeline, right, that song had come out like a month before and then all of a sudden blew up as a TikTok sound. And people were like, oh, holy crap, you know? And like, now she's out doing all these tours and like just next level stuff all because somebody found it and was like, oh, this is cool. And like you said, oh, like random. it took her a totally different direction than what she probably would have went. That's so crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. I mean, I wrote a song in my bedroom and I got to meet Ringo Stars. So. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, like think about how many, again, me being 37, I grew up in the age of Madden football games and all that. And like, yellow card had a song on madden football like who who would have ever thought and i've talked to the guys in yellow card before never in their wildest dreams did they think oh we're going to be on a video game soundtrack like we just put out a song that people loved and all of a sudden we're there that's amazing i mean yeah and sync is a big part of of music too like film and television and um that's how people discover songs too. Like, uh, for instance, uh, one of my songs was on Temptation Island recently. Mm -hmm. And then the next week, I noticed how many Shazams it had gotten because people took actually took out their phones and wanted to know what song that was. And that's crazy to me. It's like, it's background music in this TV show. Like, But it, it also cool. goes to your point earlier about how far technology has driven the, the music industry. Like 10, 15 years ago, Shazam didn't exist. Like we just had to, well, maybe I'll hear it on the radio one day or whatever. And like, just what hope that it that? came along. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to Google it. If we remembered any of the words. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the new single. We've kind of touched on it and then danced around it. So invisible string, um has been out now as of us talking for like six days um what's this been like for you with this song again it's a very lyrically and like the where the mind goes it's this very ethereal uh type yeah. of vibe what's it been like for you to see this one grow and then just to have it put out in the world well, it's, I, I wrote this song um, with my co-writer, Blake Pedrero, and uh, we wrote it in October of 2020, I think. And I think we finished producing it in January of 2021. Like, I cut the final vocals and stuff. But I hadn't put it out all year, and I don't know why. I don't know why I, haven't put it, I didn't put it out earlier, but... Um, it's a really special song because it's about like having a cosmic connection to somebody that you feel connected to and drawn to in life. And even if you're separated, somehow you're always going to find each other again. Your spirits will always find each other again. And, you know, there's a certain kind of sadness to this song, but it's also, I think, a beautiful metaphor because my spirituality comes from this kind of we're all part of the universe type of mentality, especially because my dad was an astronomer. And so I don't know if you believe in past lives or, or anything like that, but um, we are all physically made of stardust. We're made from the dust of star, a supernova explosion that blew up. And that's what created our solar system and our planet and our bodies. And um, so it, this song kind of has that kind of cosmic vibe to it. And uh if you look at the lyric video, it, it has that kind of imagery in it too. So it's it's really special to me that this song is finally out because when I was playing it at my shows all the time, it would always get the biggest applause. And maybe it was just because of the way I sang it too. Like, I don't know. But um, having it finally out and having it interpreted by people now, even though it's only been out for six days, it, it just feels really good. Like, I'm really happy with it. And it's, it's kind of a little bit of a different kind of sound than some of my other stuff, but um, I'm really proud of it. And I hope it touches people and connects people. Yeah. 
And I think I'm a lot like you in the, the spirituality part of it. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm religious by any means, but spirituality, I, I believe heavily in and the connection to people. And I tell, I've got a couple friends that I'll text randomly out of the blue and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, your vibes off. Like, I can just tell that you're not, something is going on. And they're like, dude, we haven't talked in four days. How the fuck do you know what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can tell that something's going on. Um, but also the nerd side of me thought about when you said, you know, the, that your, your souls are connected and you'll find each other through these lives. Like uh, in DC comics, Hawkman and Hawk girl are like that. They're these Egyptian uh, priests and priestesses that uh, end up over the years, you know, over the millennia, if you will, end up uh, always finding each other as time every time they're reborn or whatever. And so like, I think that's a powerful thing is knowing that the right person's out there and the right people are out there and you will be connected to those that, that are intended to be within your life. I totally agree. And um, like people can come in into your life and show you like different messages, things that you needed to learn. Um, they may not even be there forever. Like, but I feel like they come into your life for a reason. Like, I feel like we can have several soulmates, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've said that before too, that a soulmate doesn't have to be a romantic thing. Um, the, to me, a soulmate is someone that provides a piece to complete what you need in your life. Sorry, hold on. You're fine. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's at the door. So can I can I just yeah, go for, it. for a second? Yeah, okay, go for it. Right, just pause it. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> Worries. Worries. Um, but no, I, you know, soulmates can just be someone that is providing a piece that your soul was missing. It doesn't have to be a romantic thing. Exactly. And, you know, your soulmate can be like your best friend or you know your mom like i don't know <laughs> um it, you know and sometimes uh maybe it's a romantic thing but for a short period of time yeah yeah absolutely um so obviously with 2022 live music's coming back you've been able to to do some shows things like that uh what does 2022 look like for you like what are some plans that you have where where can people find you? You know, like what's going on? Well, I've been playing a lot at the Whiskey Go Go <laughs> earlier this year, and uh, I have a couple new shows coming up uh, next week with the We Found New Music Showcase at Bar Lubitsch, and um, also at Madame Siam the week after that, uh, April twenty first and April twenty eighth. And I, I plan on doing a bunch more shows this year too and having a bunch more releases, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you have like 50 songs ready to go. It's just a matter of getting them finalized and put out. So, you know, people can definitely look forward to that. Yeah, I, I already have the next single lined up and I have something special planned for it, but it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, stay tuned for new music. My handles are at I am Jasmine Crow. J-A-S-M-I-N-E-C-R-O-W-E. -E. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my YouTube is uh, Jasmine Chrome Music, which is a little different. But other than that, yeah, follow me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I always link all the socials and everything. So we'll be sure to do that too. Um, so I think, you know, kind of to, to wrap up, I think I know the answer to this from the way that you answered something earlier, but I always like to end with kind of the fun couple questions. So number one would be past or current, who is the dream collaboration and songwrite that you would want to do? Oh my God. Okay. That's easy. Sia. <laughs> is it John Lennon? Oh, I was going to say John Lennon. <laughs> well, I, oh, current. Anyway, current would be Sia. Okay. <laughs> like Sia, I think embodies who I want to be as an artist. I want to grow up and be Sia because she writes for other artists. She is her own person and brand and um, her music is so 
uplifting and touching and emotional and she's an incredible singer and so I want to be here no. <laughs> but as me as an artist and so I'd love 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 to song write a song with her um her or Jewel because uh I taught myself how to play guitar learning her songs and her journey as a songwriter is actually absolutely incredible and she's one of my my idols so her and Sia are the current ones and a, pa a past artist, artists that aren't here with us anymore would be John Lennon and David Bowie. <laughs> Two solid choices. I mean, really. Um, and I think the, for anyone that maybe doesn't know about Jewel, that's probably too young if they don't know about Jewel, like her story is incredible. Like she was homeless at one point living yeah. out of a van and music is what got her out of that. Like it is an incredible story that she has. Absolutely. And I think she's on like a TV show now, um, the American song contest or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw, I got to see her in concert and meet her uh, in grass Valley one time she was playing in this yeah. auditorium and you could have heard a pin drop. It was just her and her guitar. And like, nobody was like, every note she sang was so powerful and like emotional and very much in the moment. She was holding the room and in this musical space, it was like yeah. incredible to feel. Um, but yeah, one thing she said uh, in her story relating to her story is she realized when she was homeless that her first job as a person was to be happy. And her second job was her music. So she followed her happiness first and look where she ended up just one day at a time. And so that always kind of resonates me with me um, on, you know, days where it's, I feel like, you know, things are tough, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of those things. It's hard to think that way. A lot of times it's easy to get in your own head, right? Like, oh, well, this track didn't do as well, or I'm not hearing back from people around uh, a lead that I put out or whatever. It's easy to just start being negative and getting in your head. But if you just stop and go, you know what? Does it affect my happiness by not having that? Or can I be happy moving forward? Well, I think now, especially with social media and instant gratification yeah. and... <laughs> And compare, like, it's easy to get caught up in comparing yourself to others, you know, or like, oh, this post didn't do well today. And it's like, who cares? Just share it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. don't get caught up on the numbers. Like, it's it's easy to, you know, get lost in that nowadays. Yeah, it, but. And I think especially in the music industry, you know, I've talked about this with a few artists where, cool, you have a million followers on on Instagram, right? But what does that actually translate to? Really nothing. If that million people are not playing your song, coming out to shows, not giving you support in that, that fashion, those people don't matter. So who cares that, well, only 10 of them liked it. Okay, great. Are those 10 of them showing up to your show? Because they matter. If they're not, they don't matter. Exactly. You know, and... Uh... It, it's all about the the fans, no matter how small your pool is, like, because they're the ones that are going to help you grow the, the diehards, you know, and it's, it starts small and, and grows outward. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But like we said earlier, you never know who you're coming across. Yeah. Just because, oh, you know, there were only 20 people at the show last night. Cool. Was one of them maybe the niece of a A&R person at a, a major label that's going to go home and tell, Hey dad, you know, we got to talk to uncle Jimmy about this. Like this was incredible. Like you never know who you're going to impact. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that that's the beauty of, of music. You never know, you know, who you're going to reach yeah. with, with a song. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, a radio frequency, out in outer space and then it reaches some like alien planet. I like, I don't know. <laughs> Contact. You never know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think the last one that I've got for you uh, is because you're so diverse in your your background and and just kind of your inspirations and stuff. If you were to genre fuse, as I'm going to call it, if you were to take your vocals or your imprint and place it on the track of someone else, who would be someone that's like really out of your realm that you're like, I think we could do something cool. Huh. Um, it'd probably be a rock artist, to be honest, like a heavy metal. <laughs> like, um, trying to think like a current band. I'd say like Alice in Chains, like that would be weird, but I feel like it would work. Or Judas Priest, like I don't know. <laughs> Judas hey, Priest. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it could absolutely work. I mean, uh, Amy Lee just did a song with Bring Me the Horizon not too long ago. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all kinds of potential with that. Um, I think that's everything I've got for you, Jasmine. Um, so I appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, I'll link all the, the social medias and stuff, but I guess to kind of close out, what's something you want to tell either current fans or maybe people that haven't quite checked you out yet that, you know, is kind of the hook, you know, what's going to bring them in? Songs are the symptoms of our lives and music is therapy. Music is healing. And I hope that um, you feel that from my music and from my heart. <laughs> awesome. That was way more profound than I expected. Everybody else is like, <laughs> Everybody else is like, go check out the new single, you know, whatever, like just oh, the standard plug. I thought you were like no. a, a message. <laughs> I did. And I, I'm glad that you had one. <laughs> I hope the music is an invisible string that, there you connects, go. You, that connects us together. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate your time so much, Jasmine. Uh, definitely want you to keep doing what you're doing. I'm sure we'll have more of these conversations in the future. And I'm excited to see where you go. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Bye. And that was my conversation with Jasmine Crow. Hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as I did. Um, you know, it's outside of the realm that you guys probably normally expect of me. Um, you know, I do a lot of metal pop punk, punk, you know, these heavier bands, things like that. But, um, you know, we really do cater to all audiences and all genres. And um, I personally, as a lot of my close friends can tell you, I am a sucker for pop music. Um, as much as I love my heavy stuff, my emo, my, you know, pop punk, my skater music, like whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's something about pop music that if it's done right, if it, if it means something to me, it still pulls me in. Um, and I think that's the beauty of music is you don't have to be tied to one genre and only, only relate or find substance in that one genre. Uh, but again, huge shout out to Jasmine. Had a great time talking with her. Hope that you guys go check her out. She's got incredible stuff coming out as well uh, as the stuff that she's already released. And Invisible String is is one of those songs that I think a lot of people are going to connect with. And while maybe, you know, pop music isn't your normal, if you truly listen to it and give it the time to sink in lyrically and emotionally... I think there's a lot there for you. So that's everything this week, guys. Make sure that you go follow Jasmine on social media. Um, tell her, hey, what's up? Aloha. Um, you know, let her know that you found her through the podcast, whatever the case may be. Um, but just go show some love. And, you know, I'll have all the socials linked in the description of the podcast, as I always do. Um, and that's everything, guys. That's that's this week's episode. Uh, a lot of cool stuff happening. A lot of awesome interviews, as you guys have seen. You know, last week we had Maddie Mullins of Memphis May Fire. Um, we've got some other super incredible artists coming up as well. Um, and yeah, just want you guys to come along for the ride. So make sure you hit that like, subscribe, follow, uh, share it with your friends. Let them discover some new music. 
and let's just have a good fucking time. Um, that's all I can ask for. That's all anyone can ask for is to have a good fucking time. So remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.